All right, so today we're talking about the panopticon, which is a word chances are we all know. Uh, Foucault, you know, panopticon, post-structuralism, who cares, whatever. I don't want this to be like super basic, so I want to try and explain it in a great amount of detail so that, you know, you get something new from this, I hope. Uh, so there's a lot to cover. Before getting into it, um, you can find this in podcast form anywhere where you get podcasts. Leave a comment on there, because uh, I, I think I know how to check it, but it, at the very least, leave a bunch of stars, because that, that'd be great. Um, if you're listening to this in podcast form, you can find me on YouTube, where I do videos. If you want to see my uh, my mugshot, then if you want, don't feel obliged. Um, you can support me by simply subscribing, liking, sharing, telling your family, who knows, your great aunt might get a real kick out of this. Then again, she might not. You can also uh, contribute monetarily with uh, Patreon or uh, PayPal. The links for all that will be in the description, which would be a great help. But take care of yourself first or, you know, contribute to an organization that could really use that support uh, much more than me. So the Panopticon. Let me give you the rundown of what Foucault does in his book titled Discipline and Punish. So he lays out that for a very long time, we were under what was he what he calls sovereign rule, where there was sovereign power. And that was the situation in which there was like a king or monarch or something that demonstrated their military and their disciplinary might by inflicting harm on people. So if you stepped out of line, it was the responsibility of the sovereign to punish you, not directly, they had people to do it for them, but to punish you so that you could not only suffer, because the, your body at that time was seen as a site of suffering, you could be made an example of so that other people won't commit the crime that you committed because they know how shitty the outcome is. So he calls this the spectacle of the scaffold in which people in like the town square were tortured brutally for everyone to see. Now this raised a few problems for power. And Foucault says that, well, if you demonstrate your power in such an overt way, that is for everyone to see, you leave yourself open to some kind of attack, or at the very least, you become the very point in which all power emanates from. And it becomes very easy then for power to be usurped, which didn't necessarily happen all the time. So some of the other ways that people were uh, directly affected would be they would be thrown into dungeons, and if they weren't tortured, they were essentially hidden away from sight so that they wouldn't be a part of society. And above, maybe not above that, but additionally, you know, people would be cast out uh, of society, especially if they were mad um, or anything like that, so that they wouldn't be a burden on society. But at some point, something changed, and we see a transition from what Foucault described as sovereign power to disciplinary power. And disciplinary power operates differently. It doesn't seek to just inflict harm on the body, or it doesn't seek to just make an example out of people by showing how much they can suffer so that other people will be deterred from committing a crime. It also claims to change people. It also claims to make people proper for society. So instead of it being a matter of inflicting harm on someone who was only to be ultimately judged by God, suddenly society saw itself as being 
the arbiter of what was good and right, and it could inflict harm against people in order to make them better for society. So it wouldn't always be physical uh, torture, you know, it would be rehabilitation, it would be counseling, it would be anything like that. I think it's important to say that if your takeaway from this is to despise all sites of power, be it like psychiatry or, um, you know, counseling, anything like that, then while you might be right, according to Foucault, we shouldn't do away with all of these potentially beneficial institutions, especially for people who, who really need it. So keep that on the back burner. So this marked a shift, right? As I've already kind of said, but previously, if someone committed a crime, the sovereign, that is the king, queen, monarch, whatever, felt as though they were the one that was attacked, right? They were the one that took the burden of the crime. With disciplinary power, suddenly other people get involved and an attack against society is then felt as an attack on the social body. So it's an attack on everyone. And so with this, we see a kind of percolation of a resentment of criminals. Whereas previously, and Foucault documents this, there was almost a fascination with criminals, almost like in the moments where someone was being tortured, they were closer to God because they were closer to death and that therefore they possessed some kind of innate or superior knowledge of the world. Not to mention the fact that they had the courage to challenge the king or monarch or queen or anything. This inflictment of new pain against the uh, social body demanded a new form of, I guess, organization as far as power went. And here we enter the Panopticon. So the Panopticon was a structure proposed by Jeremy Bentham, a utilitarian philosopher who wanted to make prison structures more instrumental, to make them more economic, more effective. So I'm sure we all know, but pan-optic means sight, optic, pan all around, so all around sight. And this is what the structure looks like. It is a circular structure with a guard tower in the middle. And the guard tower is a 360 degree view of the circular ring structure. And the circular ring structure is comprised of prison cells that can all be viewed from the watchtower. Now, it is unclear from the vantage point of the prisoner if there is a guard in the guard tower. So what happens, and Foucault is very quick to pick up on this, it doesn't actually matter if there's a guard in there because the people don't know if they're being watched. So he says something, something interesting happens here, and that is that the people start to watch themselves. And that happens out of the fear of them being watched. So one example that I take from a, a prof that I had many years ago, uh, Dr. Brophy, and I think it's an apt example. He said, well, if you're driving, you know, let's say you're in the prairies, if you're in Canada or in the desert in, uh, you know, Nevada somewhere, you're driving and you come across a stop sign and you can see for miles and miles and miles and you know for a fact that there is not a cop in sight. Many of us still stop. I'm not saying everyone does. And it would be wrong to think that Foucault is saying everyone suddenly follows the rules and everyone is suddenly uh, a cog in this machine. But some of us stop and that is a very interesting phenomenon. And it demonstrates this panoptic structure at play where we 
instead of uh, us being watched, we are governing ourselves. So Foucault, looking at this then, says it, it opens up a whole bunch of interesting implications. It means for him, and this is these are his words, that visibility is a trap. So while we might think that it might be better to be out in the open, it might be better for us to be seen because that's how we express ourselves. That's how I communicate with everyone on YouTube or in podcast form or whatever. Well, it might appear like this is a demonstration of one's own identity, one's own freedom. Foucault warns that these types of visibility or these opening openings up or forays into visibility might actually be sites of control. Now, how does that make sense? Well, I like to imagine it like a kid in a sandbox. So the sandbox to the kid might appear to have infinite potential, right? You know, sky's the limit. Your imagination is the only thing slowing you down. But to an outside observer, we know that the sandbox is kind of demarcated. It's, it's bordered by these like four walls that structure it in a very clear way. But within the structure, there's a great deal of opportunity allowed. The kid, however, doesn't think about the walls. The kid's only focused on the sand and all the possibilities afforded by it. And it's in those that moment or in this kind of, um, our feelings of, of kind of pure freedom, this kind of pure potential, that we might actually be the most controlled. So Foucault says that the panoptic structure allows people to be seen instantly. And then being seen then opens them up to specific kinds of surveillance so that they can be they can be controlled, they can be organized, they can be clumped into masses. And this sets the timber for biopolitics, a, a term I'll do another another day, where people are organized according to populations, uh, and it really benefits from this panoptic structure, this panoptic form of power, which is what he says is the ideal form of power, because there isn't a point that we could say that it is from there that power is emanating. It is from there I am being controlled. No, it is us that has come to internalize the eye of power and we then control ourselves. So another thing that Foucault makes very apparent, and he, not really apparent, he just says it flat out, power is productive. It makes people act. So like the kid in the sandbox, as soon as he enters the sandbox, he enters into a very clearly marked off controlled zone. But that zone, the sandbox, makes the kid operate in a certain way. That is, the kid wants to play with the sand and make certain structures and dig holes and eat sand. I don't know whatever kids do in the sand. The kid wants to do these things. And this is a product of this kind of established zone, this kind of established system that is limited only by the kid themselves in their minds, but is actually very well managed and, and coded. So there are no more bars, there are no more like prison guards per se, none of that. There's just the pure functioning of power that has been completely internalized. Now, it's I, I've covered this whole book in a lot more detail in on my channel and, and podcast form, so go check that out if you want a more full, a fuller account. But it seems a little bit reductive to say that we've just like kind of fallen into this new disciplinary power system and that's all there is to it. He does complicate it a bit, but it, it is a little bit uh, reductive and I'd like to hear what other people have to say, um, but just throwing that out there. The Panopticon then, because of its kind of 
visible character is then going to be open to kind of democratic uh, alternatives and, and changes and movements. And the reason for that is that, you know, there's no single point of power, as I made clear. Instead, Foucault says that the Panopticon operates democratically, and that's what makes it so pernicious. It makes it appear as though, um, you know, encouraging you to participate in some while foreclosing others to you. And this is used in all walks of life. Take the, uh, the hospital, for instance, where humans are reduced to, you know, observable uh, symptomatic entities that can then be put under a certain uh, kind of microscopic um, lens so that they could be better understood, so they could be mapped and coded and controlled, or schools or offices that are designed in such a way as to make people always visible. Because if you're always visible, then you not only fear the, you know, thought of other people seeing you, you start to wonder, how do I appear to myself? Do I like who I am? Which is a moment in, you know, I guess disciplinary power that is only possible when we have moved away from locating power at a certain site, that is the king or whatever, to ourselves. So we see that the panopticon is an individuating machine. It makes of people individuals that, you know, are isolated in their bodies. And this is, you know, uh, certainly in keeping with the atomistic principle of capitalism and its emergence. But we could become so absorbed with ourselves that, you know, it, it hinders the possibility of collective engagement in certain ways, which is, you know, one of the implications that Foucault doesn't really address, but it, but is certainly there. So with the functioning of the panopticon and its extension into all walks of life, we see the entrance of a new form of kind of control, one that moves beyond disciplinary control into pure carceral control, which is the term he attributes to this moment in which all people govern themselves perfectly according to a perfect movement of power. And that's more or less it. I hope this is short and sweet. Um, you know, leave comments and likes and tell me if I did something wrong. Uh, you know, I would, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Um, or if you have any recommendations for what to do next, I'd happily take them. Uh, but on that note, take care.